We're continuing the series, Unsubscribe. Jesus wants your entire life. And the call of God upon your life is to recognise the greatest gift that Jesus extends to you. And then in response, out of your own choice, come to give your life back to Him. We're looking today at the idea of the conditions that apply to our journey with God. Now, sad news, this is my final 2.30 preach uh, in advance of us going on to New Zealand. If you haven't seen in the Revival Times, we'll be leaving in just a few weeks' time. But I will be preaching on the 5.30 on the last Sunday, 29th, and you're welcome to join. There'll be a party downstairs afterwards, so please come and join with us then. Um, We've been looking at this topic of unsubscribe, what it is to delete the influence of spam in our life, what it is to reorientate our life around the message that God has for us. Conditions apply in terms of our knowledge of what God is giving us and what God is calling for in return. I don't know if any of you came across um, recently, if you're on social media a fair amount, you'll have started to see pictures of old people appearing all over your Facebook feed. Did you see that? But they were old people that looked familiar. They kind of looked like friends, but they had been made to look older. And if you had tried to do that yourself, you'd have downloaded the Face app app and converted your face. So you can put in a current picture of yourself and it can age you 20 years, age you 30 years, or take 20 years off you, um, depending on which way you wanted to go. Um, But it caused a lot of controversy because even though it's been around for a huge amount of time, well, not a huge amount of time, a good number of years, suddenly a lot of people started to use it. It went a bit viral. And and so this concern came about because someone made an allegation that in the terms and conditions, um, the company that had built FaceApp had the right to take all of your photos off your phone not just the ones that you were uploading. And so there was this huge panic because suddenly everyone's worried about security. And suddenly the issue of terms and conditions became really, really significant. Now, as it began to play out, you know, they had people testing the app and newspaper reports afterwards that no, it wasn't the case. Only those photos that had been uploaded were given over to the company and then later deleted after they had processed your photo. So thankfully, there wasn't as big a deal as it was made. But the issue is... We all sign up to terms and conditions that we're not always aware of. You know, you'd think, oh, my mate's done it, so I'm going to jump on and do it. It looks like a bit of a laugh. I'm going to get in there, do it myself. And suddenly it could be that you're giving away a lot of your data. Now, I want to encourage you to make sure you take good care of your data today because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Have you heard of deep fakes? I, I know, ladies... Us guys pretend that we don't know about this. But you know when you take a selfie? We know that there was like a thousand selfies to get to that one that you posted online. But you see, the issue with that is if they were able to get all of your photos, they can use a computer algorithm to compile how your face would interact in different moments and create deep fakes. So they would take a video, for example, and put your face in the face of the person that's on that video doing something, saying something that you never did, but because of computer technology today, got to watch out. So just be careful of your content, your data. Do read your T's and C's. But all of that said, I did get a photo done of what I will look like in 20 years. Do you want to see it? Do you want to see it? Okay, I think they've got it for the screen right now. Chinese jeans, you see, still look the same in 20 years. Now, it's important that we understand the terms and conditions 
of our relationship with God. It's important that we know that as we're going on with Him, that He calls us to a particular life. He calls us to respond to the message that He's given us. Two reasons for that. One is so that we don't get blown around by every wind of doctrine. If we had read the T's and C's of FaceApp, we would know whether or not they had a right to our photos. If we read our Bible, we'll know what we believe as opposed to people now coming in with fake news and so on to disrupt our faith. But secondly, and more importantly, we know that we have the Scripture so that we can journey to go deeper in our relationship with God, to know fullness of relationship with Him as a result of what He's done for us. And I started today by saying that Jesus desires our whole life. He wants us to give Him our whole life. Now, what does that look like? And how can we journey towards that kind of a walk of faith with Him? Mark 10, we see the Markan version of the story of the rich young ruler. Now, just a bit of Bible teaching for you because I might not get to Bible teach you for a little bit. But in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there is a series of miracles and teachings which are expressed across all three, or sometimes two, and there's emphases that are brought in different ones that relate to the audience and author of that particular gospel. So they have a particular emphasis they want to bring out. This story of the rich young ruler, you could find it in Matthew and Luke as well. But in Mark 10, there's some key words that I wanted to bring to our attention in the reading today. Now, this is a, a, a young man who is zealous about God, or he believes he's zealous about God. He's made a decision about how far he is willing to go in pursuit of the living God. And so he seems to be someone that goes around and talks to various rabbis, teachers, holy men who knew the scripture of his time. And he comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Huge question. It's the question of the ages. It's the question of purpose of our lives. What do we do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witnesses, don't false witness, don't defraud or lie. Honor your father and mother. And his answer, teacher, all of these I've kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him. You only find that phrase, loved him, here in the Mark version. You don't see that in Matthew and in Luke. But it speaks to the core of Jesus's interaction and relationship with people. Jesus says to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples who were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. Today, we kind of do have a easy gospel in some senses. People come to church, they hear a good message, they hear that Jesus died on the cross for them. And apparently the response that's required is, raise my hand, yes, I want to receive Jesus. I'll be asking you today, do you want to receive Jesus into your life? I'll be challenging you with how your life is going to be lived from this point forward. But that's not all that Jesus calls us to. He doesn't call us to stick a hand up in a service. I mean, you can stick up a hand when I say, does anyone want to say yes? Does anyone want to say no? 
raising a hand is cheap. It's what we do with our lives in response to that acknowledgement of who Jesus is. And Jesus here highlights a particular issue for the young man. It's uh, an issue that seems relevant to him because he has great possessions. All of us are going to have some sort of stumbling block when it comes to following Jesus, whether it's wealth, whether it's status, whether it's appearance, whether it's importance. Every one of us is going to have some form of a stumbling block in our decision to say yes to Christ. And particularly what happens here is the young man turns away. It's a story of conditions. What do I need to receive eternal life, inherit eternal life? Give away everything you have, come follow me. How are we going to respond to the same challenge for our life? What conditions has God set out for us? Now, I want to lay out three unconditionals for you first. Although the story is important and challenging for the particular individual in terms of his journey was give up everything you have. Why? Not because poverty is great Christianity, but because the boy had an addiction in his heart. He had an idol for the things that he owned in his heart. That's why he was sorry about selling everything he had, because he valued everything that he had. But there are some unconditionals for us today. First thing that is unconditional. If you respond to God and say, Lord, I want to live my life for you. I want to know you. There is first unconditional love that the Father has for you. Unconditional love. Paul prays about it like this. He wants every Christian to know the power of God's love for us in Ephesians 3 verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that you may, uh, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, and this is the key phrase, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to understand with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I say that this is unconditional because sometimes we ask the question, what is the benefit for the sacrifice that I'm going to make? What am I going to get in exchange for this decision that I might make today? First up is to come to know the Father's unconditional love for you. The Bible teaches us that God is love. Not that love is God, otherwise we might chase around love everywhere, but to know a person who defines what love is. The Bible tells us that God is love, but it's not just simply an assertion, it's a demonstration. Jesus came to this earth 2,000 odd years ago. You know, we've got to upgrade that. Is it 2020? 25 years ago that he came to the earth, because we're moving on in time, right? It's no longer just 2000. Came to the earth, lived a real life like you and I lived, had a birth certificate, got registered, got recognized as a citizen, uh, all of these kinds of things. But there comes a point in time when he's sitting down with his disciples right at the end of a, a young life, 33 years old, having done three years of miracles and preaching the gospel and life transformation amongst the people of Israel. And in this conversation with his disciples, he says this, greater love has no man than this, than that he laid down his life for his friends. It's a demonstrated love. 
Jesus laid down his life for the disciples at the time and for every disciple that would come to follow him in the future. For everyone that would say, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. We believe that that could be everybody in the world responding to Christ. But those who respond, he died for you. And that's a demonstration of his love. But also the father expresses love in that moment. When the father gives the gift of his son in exchange for our sin, our shame, our brokenness, he's showing us how much he loves us. Now that's unconditional. The father will never take his love from you. The, there are other passages that Paul says, there is nothing that can separate you from God's love, even your present mess, even the sin you find yourself in and the broken relationship that you can't get out of and the debt that is strangling you and the difficult circumstances at work. There is nothing around you that can separate you from God's love for you. Even angels, demons, principalities, powers, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's unconditional. And sometimes we're like, God, you know, can I just be good to you because you've been so good to me out of a heart of trying to pay God back? You know, it's kind of insulting to try to pay people back when they give you a gift, when they're generous with you. They take you out for a meal and say, we're going to pay for everything. No, no, I'll, I'll pay for the drinks. You pay for everything else. Or I'll pay the tip, you know. Just let the person pay the meal. Just a thought. Um, unconditional. When God gave his best for us. He was making a statement. This is how much I love you. This is how much I want you to know that. You can't pay me back. Receive it. Second, unconditional as a result of that is if you say, yes, Lord, I believe that when you went to the cross, you did that for me. I need the forgiveness of sin that you bought for me at that cross. You come into now a new relationship with God. Maybe you were the kind of person before that was just, I'm just going to live my life my way, do things how I want to do them. You know, God, I know you're sort of up there and you're kind of looking after me every now and then. And I seen that when I had my car crash. I seen that when I fell off my motorbike. I seen that when you provided financially. I seen that when I had no food and someone gave to me. Yeah, you're looking after me, God, but I still kind of want to do my own thing. But the moment you came to Christ and said, Lord, I want to know you as my saviour, and by extension of that, moving to a place of knowing you as my Lord, God responds to that in an incredible way. His response to that is, okay then, here you go. His yes to your yes is he gives you the gift of eternal life. He gives you an assurance, a promise that you will go to be with him in heaven when you die. It's something that is unconditional, assured of. And we can know that Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What that means is the spirit of God living in you is God's down payment. He's promising you through that, that you will see him in eternity. That's his commitment to you. Oh, but what if I sin? He won't leave you. It's not an excuse to sin as we see in a minute, but he will never leave you. He's committed to you. So you can know out of that, those two things, his unconditional love and his gift of eternal life, that you now have a new footing in life. You can start from a new beginning, a fresh foundation. And finally, point three, is that on the journey from now, when you receive him to that place, when you join with him in eternity, he will be with you. 
God will never, ever leave you, never, ever forsake you. Simon was talking about that this morning, more detail there at the 9, 11 o'clock service. But let me read a verse for you. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So God's response, his unconditional response to your yes From that point onwards, you will know that you are loved, that you have an eternal destiny, and he's going to give go with you every single step of the way, whatever your circumstance or difficulty that that you're facing. That's a great foundation to start from, isn't it? But that's not all that God has to offer us. That's not all that's part of this invitation. Those are the unconditional statements that are made, but the response, the conditions that apply to us are how we choose to live in response to this great message. How are we going to spend our time from that moment of revelation through to the moment that we give, that we go to be with him in eternity? I love that there is this aspect of the scriptures, because before I referred to this cheap idea of salvation. Salvation is the most costly gift that God has ever given. It cost him his son. But it also will be the most costly invitation for every one of us if we walk with the Lord into it. Because in this, we see the great commitment that God calls for us to choose. Calls for us to make a decision and to make a series of choices. You might feel that it's a bit unfair. You know, God, you're offering eternal life. Can't really turn that down. You're offering a relationship with you. Can't really turn that down. Uh, But the invitation is not just those things. The invitation is to relationship. And Jesus demonstrates that when he asks this rich young ruler. He gives him the generic reply. You know, you've done all of these other things. You've, you know, kept the law in these ways. You haven't killed anyone. Good for you. You haven't had an affair. Good for you. You haven't cheated people. Good for you. But when it comes to the heart issue, Jesus still challenged him and said, you need need to go sell everything, mate. You know, it's just, it's too big an idol in your life. In love, Jesus spoke the truth to him. I don't know what things you would put as having more value than your life and your life before God. No, is it the dream of driving an M5 convertible or upgrade Maserati or Ferrari? Is it that dream? or having the six-bedroom house, or having the 2.4 kids? What is the dream that you're willing to exchange for the greater call on your life to live for God? What's great about this, though, is that it's your choice. You are called of your own volition. God doesn't say, I'm going to give you eternal life and be with you forever, um, so you have to do these things. The power is still in your hands to choose deeper relationship with God, to choose to walk in the center of your calling, to choose a life which honors the Father. So when you get to heaven, you get to say, God, I didn't live for me, I lived for you. So what are the conditions? What are the things that you're called to exercise the power of choice in? Number one, and these all correlate. The first one in the unconditional was that the Father loves us. But the challenge for us is to radically love others. The condition is, will I respond to the Father's love for me by radically loving people around me? Yes, the difficult auntie or uncle that ruined your birthday, you need to forgive. Yes, the person that broke your heart and ran off with your best mate, you need to forgive. Yes, the person who's blocking your future and destiny, 
need to learn to love and forgive. Yes, even to the point of your enemies. You're called to be someone that loves your enemies. And the challenge for us, the condition for us is, will we respond? Because Jesus gives us the command, I command you, uh, love one another. Just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. This challenge is there for us. Will we respond to God's love by being people of love? The second, again, is like it, the gift of eternal life. Eternal life is being with the Father in heaven. Now, technically, sideline, we're not looking forward to just heaven. We're looking forward to a paradise until resurrection day. What happens resurrection day is this whole broken earth, this whole mess that is all around us is both beautiful and yet terribly broken on the other hand, is gonna be made whole. There'll be a new heavens, a new earth. Heaven and earth will be joined together. Jesus will be the very light of the world in which we then live. There won't be the special 144,000 in heaven and the rest of us, you know, slightly got in by the skin of our teeth lot down on the earth. No, heaven and earth are gonna be joined together. We will all walk with God, know God, and know one another. It's a perfect place. You know, when you desire all of the things that you desire, if you're a Greenpeace kind of person, or you wanna look after and steward our environment because we long for something better, the best is gonna be the new heavens and the new earth. But that's a holy place. The place where God lives is holy. The place where God resides is holy. He is a holy God, pure in every way. And the condition for us is that we're called to a life of holiness as Christians to journey towards being like Christ. That doesn't mean I can say simply, I didn't kill anybody today. I didn't commit adultery like the rich young ruler. But that you can be someone who says, you know what, I've sought to love out of my heart. Not act outside, but hate inside. Not pretend outside, but carry bitterness and resentment in my heart, but rather to live a life where from the inside out, I'm living holy. 1 Peter puts it like this in 1 verse, 4, uh, verse 14 to 16. We are obedient children, not to be conformed to the passions of our former ignorance, but as he who calls us is holy, we are to be holy in all our conduct, since it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So our conditional responses, will we love radically? Will we walk in holiness? And finally, will we walk in obedience? Will we respond to the leading of the Spirit through the Word and through the Spirit? Now, I thought I'd take a liberty. I'm sure someone will pull me up on taking a liberty. But to let you know why we're going to New Zealand. And if you're wondering, I mean, there's great reasons for us to be going. Me and my wife, uh, when we got married, she knew that I was KT Furniture. Like I've been around 15 years, I thought I'd be around another 15 years. So she said to herself, you know what? Thank you, New Zealand, it's been great, and we'll visit, we love you, but I need to be here, we're called to be here. So our whole outlook has always been that we'd be here in this house um, and serving and being part of what God is doing here. We had an interesting season this year. I, I don't know if you, some of you will know this, that we came back from visiting a family. We thought that might be the last trip for the next four or five years. Every time we go, it's a huge stack of cash to fly halfway around the world. Um, so we thought, that's it, we're done. But when we landed, our flat was flooded. We've been living in temporary accommodation from January till now because of that situation with our flat. So we've been asking God, God, what is going on? 
We thought something else might happen, maybe we'd buy a house or whatever. But it so happened that in April, with me and all my, fr- uh, my cell group, we did 24-7 prayer. We were seeking God every single day. Guys were getting up at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. to seek God, praying for a whole hour, then going back to bed. Some of them slept through, but you know, it happens. <laughs> but we were seeking God. There was this great you know, sense of the power of God and guys were getting awakened to a fresh relationship with God. And it so happened that in the middle of that, Becca calls me one day when I was in my hour of prayer to say, we're pregnant. I was over the moon. I've been pressurizing her in a nice way for about six months because I love babies when they're that tiny, you know, tiny face, you know, because when they get bigger, they're just climbing all over my head and, you know, it's great fun. Anyway, I sat back off that phone call. I said, thank you, Jesus. He said, the baby's going to be born in New Zealand. I was just like, what? <laughs> kind of wanted to argue with God. I kind of really didn't believe it was him. I talked to a few people about it. I I prayed about it for six months, not six months, six weeks. We're six months later now. Uh, Prayed about it for six weeks, wrestled with this because for me, it's not just we got to go have the baby with her family and her friends and support and three kids under five in, in a different environment. It was me having to say to God, if I say yes to this, bless my wife, I'm also saying that I trust you for my calling because I believe my calling's here. And so I'm having to go literally by faith. I don't know what I'm going to be doing in a month's time when we'll be there. No job lined up as yet. There's ministry that I could get engaged in. Um, But it's been a huge wrestle. And I've been like, yes, God, but no, I'm going to miss you all. I'm going to miss all the ministry that we've shared together, all the people that we've been investing in life with going to miss that sense of being part of something great that God's doing here. Love this church, love the team, love Colin, love Simon, love Scott and the other guys that are here and Claudette. It's just great to serve here in KT, but this challenge to go and to follow God, not knowing what's coming up next. And I think I would ask the question if I were you, well, do you guys practice what you preach? Do you guys, when you say to us, you know, you need to put Jesus first, would you do it yourself? I hope you know that off the back of this that I would. It's going to be hard. We're going to have to trust God in a, in, a, in a new way. But see, this is part of our invitation. We have unconditionals. We're loved. We promise eternal life. We promise that God will be with us. But do we trust God enough to be obedient when he leads us in ways that we might not be comfortable with? Maybe you're wrestling right now. You know that there is a different life calling for you in your job and you're stuck in a job because it's a nine to five and it's paying you well and what you want to go into is a risk, but you know God is calling you there. Do you trust him enough to go? Do you trust him enough when you know that you're in a relationship? And please don't just go around leaving all of your relationships. But if you know that you're in a relationship that God has been saying to you, you know, this is, this is not honoring to God. There's all sorts of mess going on in there and abuse and brokenness, and he's calling you out of that, would you be obedient to that? Or do you need the relationship to help you feel like there's purpose in your life? There's challenges all around us. Please don't leave anyone just because I said that, okay? Ask for advice, get wisdom, but know that there is a call perhaps to be obedient in certain areas of your life. Maybe you've been someone that said, you know what, God, I love you and I'm going to tithe my money, but don't ask me how I made it. 
Don't ask me if I was involved in illegal deals. Don't ask me if I was stole it from a friend. Don't ask me if I, you know, ripped some people off and sold them something for two thousand pounds when it was worth five pounds. Did you hear that there was a toilet stolen yesterday? By the way, eighteen carat gold toilet stolen from Blenheim Palace. You know, some dude's going to be running around super rich. I mean, the t- the weight of that toilet in gold. But anyway. God, I'll tie that to you, but he's not interested in that. He's interested in what did you do with the produce of your life? Were you obedient? God calls us to obedience. He calls us to a life where we're not just, yes, God, I'll take everything you offer, but God, I'll also follow you. If you're leading me to pray for someone who's sick, you're leading me to be generous with a friend, of course, with finances also, please be very wise. Don't get into secret little one-on-one deals because some people get cheated out of lots of money that way. Please be wise. Please be wise in the execution of your finances. But maybe God is calling you to be sacrificial in a particular way. Are you going to be obedient to that? Are you going to walk with Him in that? I share all of that to say, God is worthy of all of your life in response to all of His life that He's given to you. And there's a conditional offer that's available. If you read the terms and conditions, you'll see that in journeying with Him, in accepting the conditions, in saying yes to those T's and C's, you are signing up to not just a life of difficult choices and holy living, but a life of intimacy with God and radical opportunity and experience of miracles, of signs and wonders, of being part of people getting saved, of being part of bringing transformation in your community. If you're someone that's sitting on the fence, please, I encourage you, take a jump. If you've ticked that box, nominally, take the consequences of that. Say, you know what? Actually, I don't just want to tick it nominally. I want full participation, and in that, you're going to see major, major release of life through your life.